2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Orange and Brown talk post game. Post game, can we call it that? Uh, it's a day after the Browns beat the Cincinnati Bengals thirty-two to thirteen on Monday Night Football. Uh, of course, we did a quick twenty-minute podcast right after the game, uh, early on Tuesday morning. Now here we are on Tuesday evening. And we're going to circle back. So it's Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock, but then we're also bringing in Douglay Maurice and Iree Harris. But before we get into the game, the trade deadline just passed. It's about 5 o'clock here as we're recording this, and the trade deadline went by. There were a bunch of NFL trades, including a couple that do impact the Browns. Uh, Bradley Chubb is now a Miami Dolphin. That's the big one, so they will face him in a couple weeks out of their pie. But the question I have for everyone here is, how do you feel about the Browns essentially standing pat? Not just essentially standing pat, they did stand pat. Kareem Hunt is still a member of the Browns. The Browns did not make a trade to bring anyone in. So there's two parts to this question. How do you feel about it? The emotions podcast.
3: And also, does it tell you anything, Doug? I feel like it tells us that the Browns think they're ready to win the Super Bowl with the roster they have. Is that the is that the <laughs> takeaway that we take from that? Um, it, it does feel like the, the way they had used Kareem Hunt the past couple weeks, it was sort of like, what's the point here? Like, if you're going to use him like this, you may as well trade the guy and get a pick. But then they used him against the Bengals. So it's like, oh, no, okay, well, no, you're going to use him. Okay, then, then maybe you keep him for a little bit. You know, it's hard. I think you instinctually want to react. And it's like, boy, the Ravens are... Sure, went after it and boy the Dolphins sure went after it and there are some other teams in the AFC that it's going to matter that they actively got better this year but it's not the Browns year so let's read that's like regroup and meet again at the trade deadline a year from now and if things have all gone well with Deshaun Watson and they're a better football team and then we can say oh no maybe they should do something to help themselves but I guess once you figure out now nah, go ahead and keep Kareem then what are you going to do oh that's so I
2: like that line it's not the Browns year and I and I I guess that's where I'm going with does this does this lack of doing something tell you anything? And obviously they're three and five, and they're they're sort of in this holding pattern of of waiting for Deshaun Watson to come back. Mary Kay, what what did you think of the Browns not making a move at the deadline? Want either to ship Kareem Hunt out or to bring in talent?
1: Well, I, one of the things it tells me is that um, you know they did not. Part with a guy like Greedy Williams or maybe even Kareem Hunt to a certain extent, uh, because I think they want to make sure uh, that they have what they need going forward. This victory breeds a little bit of new life into them, a little bit of new hope into them. And I think had they lost the game to fall to two and six, maybe they would have traded a greedy Williams. But because they won the game, they want to keep him around for quality depth. They want to make sure that they're giving themselves every opportunity uh, to still make the playoffs. It's not over yet. So that's kind of what it said to me. Uh, By the same token, I never really felt like they were in the market or the hunt for, you know, very many deals like a Bradley Chubb or someone like that, a big blockbuster deal where you felt like you were going to get a guy and then have to pay him a bunch of money in an extension for two or three years down the road. They didn't seem to be having substantive talks uh, with players like that. Now, I do think they probably should have at least looked around for a good quality veteran receiver, but I don't think there were a lot of those kind of guys available. But I do think that hanging on to some of the guys that they did again, in terms of greedy and Kareem, that to me says we think we can keep this thing rolling along a little bit.
2: Ashley, what does it tell you?
0: The Browns, as an organization, think they have the pieces that they need once Deshaun Watson comes back and once these guys who have been you know suffering from injuries, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, that in training camp and at the beginning of the season hadn't really had a lot of time together. I think the Browns just feel like they need time. Um, And and more than anything, I think it just kind of hits home, you know, the analytical way they think and the way they value certain things. Because, I mean, we talked about it with Kareem Hunt especially, right? It's like, what were you going to get for him? Like he doesn't have a ton of value right now. Um, given that his contract is going to be up. So, you know, like we said last night, is a fifth-round conditional pick going to make some of those plays that Kareem made yesterday? Probably not. I think they still see the value in him. I think, for the most part, they want to see what this all looks like once Deshaun Watson is back because that's kind of the future for them.
4: re You know what? Last night, uh, similar to what Mary was saying, kind of serves as like that uh... – That recency kind of memory or reminder as to how they can really use Kareem Hunt because there's what I would say three games this season just off top where they properly use Kareem Hunt, and I'm not counting last week's loss versus the Ravens where they ran it to him three straight times on their own 10-yard line near the end zone for, nearly for his safety. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about actually using him in the midst of a series at times when if Chubb needs to breathe there, they give it to him because he's the best alternate in the league to do that. He's a former rushing yards leader champion, for crying out loud. And I would say those games were against – the Jets, which they should have won against the Steelers. That was their last win before last night. And then once again, last night versus the Bengals. So it just served as a reminder. And it, it, it actually kind of tells me, tells me that prior to last night, they somehow, for some reason, didn't trust or believe that they could win or at least take control of the game the way they did last night, running it through uh, uh, Chubb and Kareem Hunt. It seemed as if they were very pass-heavy, but last night served as a reminder, no, you can run it through them and let them carry the offense on the ground game. And look at what happens. They break down the defense, they show, and they slow them down, and they're able to take over and win the game. So with last night, I think that serves as a, a reminder to say, we can't let them go anywhere else because we see what we can do for us. So, Doug...
2: I guess when, when I hear Mary Kay, Ashley, and I talk it almost sounds like the Browns' standing pat. The Browns have basically decided they're not going to get rid of anyone. They're, they're going to kind of roll with what they have because they feel like this team maybe got themselves pointed in the right direction. I'm absolutely putting words in everyone's mouths right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or have the, got themselves pointed in the right direction a little bit, so they're not going to sell Kareem Hunt. They're not going to sell Greedy Williams. It kind of tells you that maybe they feel like what they have internally, they can maybe get going in the right direction. But when I heard you talk, it sort of sounded like you read it as, eh, we'll see what happens this year. But next year is really the year the Browns go all in.
3: Yeah, I don't think they have anything going in the right direction. I just think they avoided an eight-game losing streak. They have one game script that works for them, which is get the lead and put it away with the run game. And they got the lead last night because Miles Garrett eats Joe Burrow for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And the Bengals have a bad run game. And without tomorrow, Chase, they couldn't throw. And so the Browns scored 11 points in the first half, but the Bengals had two turnovers, three punts, and a missed field goal. So the Browns had a lead. So, like – 11 points was enough to have a first half lead. And then you can put it away in the second half against like more functioning teams. And the Bengals often are functioning. The Browns match up great with the Bengals. They have a bad offensive line and Burrow holds the ball and nobody exploits that like miles Garrett. So this was a very, I think sensible game for the Browns to win. I don't know that any of it translate again, translates against the dolphins. It's certainly not going to translate against the bills. I don't know where Tom Brady's head's going to be at by the time they come in, but I don't think this changes the trajectory of the final three games until Deshaun Watson gets back. So I would, if they think like, oh, fixed, let's write, we're back, baby. It's like, I think you are kidding yourselves. You had a good night for sure. You had a good night, and you deserve credit for that. But there were a lot of very specific things that happened against the Bengals that, you know, I just sort of think it's like, ah, oh, well, you know, I don't, we're not going to add anything, but I guess the guys, you know, they're good enough. We're not going to get much for them. So we'll just kind of roll it over. But I don't think this is the beginning of a three and five charge to the playoffs for the Browns.
2: So Mary Kay, Ashley, and Irie, how badly did I mischaracterize what you said? And also how wrong is Doug? Oh, that's a great, <laughs> please put that in the headline. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or a t- on a t-shirt. I mean, a t-shirt would yeah. be good too, I think. Yeah. Um you know what? I mean, I think it actually I think it's meaningful. I think it could be a little bit of a springboard because if they can hand Deshaun Watson four or maybe even five victories, then they remain in the playoff hunt. And the reason that that does not sound so outlandish as it probably should is because of things going on in Baltimore and things going on in Cincinnati. Uh, You know, Cincinnati is now down a lot of cornerbacks. Uh, They lost one of their very, very best cornerbacks in the game last night. And they were very depleted in that secondary. Jamar Chase is going to be out for, uh, you know, a considerable amount of time, four to six weeks or something like that. And I think that's huge. We saw what happened to them last night when they don't have Jamar Chase. And they've got a really tough schedule. So they could be in a little bit of dire straits right now. And um, and the Ravens, I don't think anybody really knows exactly what the Ravens are all about, although they have a much easier schedule going forward right now. Uh, So I think the Browns just need to kind of hang around and be in the neighborhood and and just don't fall too far behind. Uh, If they would have lost last night, you know, then I think you could kind of like we were saying last night, basically stick a fork in them. Uh, But they they're hanging around. And if you hang around long enough, Stranger things can happen. Let's keep this in the stranger things theme. Uh, Stranger things can happen than to still be in the hunt when Deshaun gets back and perhaps you get on a little bit of a roll. So I do think it was significant and meaningful, and and not just because they won, but because in the fashion that they won. I saw the lights starting to come on uh, for the defense. They started to come together in Baltimore. We saw flashes that perhaps they were getting it. And um, and I think they're on an upward trajectory. I think Miles is kind of leading the way. I think he's feeling a little bit better now. Um, and so, yeah, I th- I think they I think they can still make a little bit of noise and at least stay in the conversation.
2: So, Ashley, the way I kind of read this trade deadline is the Browns don't believe they're out of it. But they also maybe aren't quite ready to go, like, hey, they already gave up three first-round picks to get Deshaun Watson, and they aren't ready to give up more really valuable draft capital to go in, all in on this year specifically. Like, if they're going to do it, it's going to be from within.
0: Yeah, and like you said, they just don't have a lot of that, right? Like, it makes it really hard because they gave away all those first-rounders to get Deshaun Watson here in the first place. So I definitely think there is some element of this. Like it's almost like patience and a result of that patience might be that, you know, worst case scenario this year ends up being a wasted year of guys who are in their prime, like Miles Garrett, like Nick Chubb um, and you don't make the playoffs and it's just kind of forgotten. But I do think that that's kind of just what we're seeing. Like, I think they are really, you know, again, analytically focused on the fact that they gave up so much to get him here. They need to see what this all looks like once he's out there and they're in you know, actual regular season games, not out at training camp, not in the preseason. Um, so I just think it makes it really hard for them to then justify giving up so much, like you're saying, capital, to go out and make a big move when you don't have the most important piece of the puzzle out on the field yet. And I, you know,
2: I read there's a part of it that's like, you know, when we start talking about lost years, that's that's tough to talk about. But it's also I mean, we'll see how this plays out, I think, over the next month. That's also kind of the reality of this when you trade for a guy like Deshaun Watson that, you know, you knew you weren't going to have for a little while.
4: Yeah, definitely. But I I do just have to say, I think if anything at the moment, I know we're speaking about Deshaun, but maybe we should clap it up. Maybe we should clap it up because we've endured. we actually watched and seen eight games with J- Jacoby Brissett as starting quarterback. The way that we spoke about this at the beginning of the year would have been like this would have been for a couple years, it felt like. and We've endured eight games with this. You no, know, It's a losing record, on the hand. He has to give it up multiple picks. You don't want this to be a losing, you know, a waste of a year. And that's the reason for why uh, people reacted the way they did to the quarterback situation and the scenarios in the beginning. But that's why it's good to see them really improving each element area of this team in case Deshaun comes back and doesn't look like his regular self. It'll be his first game in 23 months and a day, I believe 23 months and one day. Exactly. Versus this former team in their city. We can only imagine what it's going to look like. I mean, I just saw that he can throw 30 passing yards at that and doesn't look scared out there. Cause we can only see what, you know, expect what to see with them. But, Nonetheless, this is a team that I think last night just really took it into their own hands, and as Mary Kay was saying, would not be denied. Because, And I don't want to make an excuse for them not uh, you know, being in a match where they're losing their best receiver and their best cornerback. because they lost to the teams with way worse. You're losing to a, just with a 37-year-old quarterback. You're losing to a Chargers team where their starting running back had more rushing yards in that game alone compared to the first four games total of the season. The lights are on now. Momentum is a drug. Don't do drugs, kids. But you get the point.
3: It's one game. Momentum is a drug. They avoided a five-game losing streak. It's one.
4: Doug. Doug.
3: Doug. We realize that teams win in the NFL, and it doesn't mean that everything's fixed. Like, not many teams go 2-15, and and that's the path they were on. Like, we understand that sometimes you just win. Like, do people – is the consensus that the Browns have turned the corner with one – is that where most people – that where people are?
1: There's a spectrum for that I mean you, you don't because you think that this could be the start of something or that perhaps they're getting on the right track doesn't necessarily mean that you're saying they're fixed and everything's fine now and they're going to go to the Super Bowl I mean there there's a spectrum about this and I think that this was a little bit of a turning point for them I like I said I think it started in Baltimore and it, it might be too late it very well might be too late but I do think uh, that that they're starting to come together in some areas and they're still doing a lot of really bad things, uh, especially every week. There's some one or two special teams gaffes. But I do think that, um, you know, that this could mean that the arrow is pointing up a little bit. Now, having said that, they got to go play the Bills. They're going to get there. I mean, the yeah, they've got to go play the Bills. They're probably going to get there tails handed to them in that game. Uh, You know, they, they still have a really tough schedule the rest of the way, but I do think that, um, that this was significant in, in the way that they played and what they showed.
2: I think it mattered in that they had to win the game. Like if they lose the game, we're talking about, I don't know what we're talking about on this podcast today. I do tend to take the approach of, okay, you, you know, you beat a team without its best receiver that you beat every time you play them. You know, let, let's see what happens now when you go to Miami. Which, by the way, Miami's a winnable game. Let's, you know, go to Miami and beat Miami now. I don't care what happens in Buffalo. They're, they're going to probably get smoked by the Bills. That's fine. So is everybody else in the league. And then you get you got to be, you, you know, it's at least something, at least these games mean something now moving forward. At least these next three games Carry some sort of like, hey, if you go and win these games, win two of these three games, you got a chance. Had they lost last night, it was done. It was over. Like, it it was going to be all about December's the preseason to see what this thing looks like with Deshaun Watson. And now there's at least a little bit of a chance. Nothing changed for me.
3: I said before the game. That they went to Cincinnati last year and pasted the Bengals, and we all thought it meant that the Browns the Browns were rising up to support Baker Mayfield and they went two and five of <laughs> their next seven games. I think this is that again. I don't know. It they had six first half possessions. They scored eleven points in the first half. Like this, hey, they came out and took care of the Bengals. The Bengals could do nothing offensively because because they can't block Miles Garrett. This is this is a there's so basketball is more of a matchup sport, I think, a lot than football is. But there are times when it's like there's just a thing that your opponent does and like you can't handle it. The Bengals Achilles heel all the time is their offensive line. And so Miles Garrett destroys them. And especially when they don't have Burrow's number one target. It is a terrible matchup for them. And all the Bengals guys, when we did the crossover pod and all that stuff last week, they were saying Joe Mixon is in decline. They're run; He's averaging three yards a carry. They're, they can't run the ball. And so I think the Bengals will probably take a breath and figure some stuff out a little bit. They scored 11 points in the first half. They just like were able to be ahead because the Bengals did nothing. They still ran that goofy double reverse. I have no idea what they were doing. Jacoby Brissett still had a strip sack. Kid York still had a field goal block. They still goof up special team stuff all the time. And then they rolled in the second half because they had a lead. And when they have a lead, they remember that they're capable of playing football. And whenever they get behind, it's like, well, time to panic. And and nobody knows what they're doing. So good luck having a halftime lead with 11 points against anybody else. Because if the Browns don't have a lead, like, I don't know what they're going to do because they're not so
4: good when they're not ahead.
3: So this is a one-off to me. Yes, great. I understand the idea of, well, if they were 2-6, and that's much worse than 3-5. and But are the things that happened, like the things that happened, we think, oh, we have a different view of them because how they went about it. Jacoby Brissett played like he did and ripped throws because he had a 20-point lead. And then it's like, yeah, okay. When the game was at hand, he still was like, okay, well, I don't know. Here comes a strip sack. So I don't know. I, I, I just don't. I just think a lot of the same stuff is there. And it just for a night, they overcame it. But I don't know that they'll do it again against a better team.
1: Well, Joe was strip sacked too. And he went to the Super Bowl last year. Those kinds of things happen. I think you look for trends and I think you look for signs. I think actually Jacoby Brissett has gotten better in some ways. I don't think he's got a very good. Receiving core or a full complement of receivers the way that he should. I think he's a little bit hamstrung there. But I think the trends are that for the most part, uh, they have improved in some ways. And they, I think at least defensively, they will be playing better football down the stretch. They're finding their way. Plus, they've got the bye week to figure some things out. Sioni Taki Taki, all of a sudden, they have figured out that he can play some linebacker. And, you know, so now they can work with that. You know, now they know, hey, you know, maybe Jacob wasn't everything we thought he was cracked up to be, or you know, maybe Martin Emerson is more than we thought he was going to be. They're going to reevaluate, it, break it all down at the bye week, and I think they'll come back and refine some things and be better. But I think defensively, uh, something something's brewing a little bit.
2: Okay, let's take a break and then uh, let's let's play a little game that I just thought up in my head, and oh. I don't know if it'll work or not, but we're going to play. A is game. it
3: Uno? Sure. Oh, it's not yeah, Uno.
2: It's okay. Uno. I, I just I invented Uno. Uno. <laughs> we'll be back and, and we'll play a game on the other side. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. So, as we were talking through that, and Doug was talking about some, you know, they scored 11 points. And I, I guess I wanted to throw some things out. And this kind of goes along with the last time we did a post game, post game podcast. Sustainable or not? So some areas of this team that we think that we saw last night that maybe are trending in the right direction, and you think are trending in the right direction, are they sustainable or not? We're not going to start
3: with Jacoby because that was the headline of the last time we did it. We'll we'll get to Jacoby. Let's start. Uh, I will with- say that that Jacoby percent headline, like the most popular yes. orange and or brown talk of the last month, people <laughs> really enjoyed the question of whether Jacoby percent was sustainable or not.
2: That was yes. That was actually the quote. The the headline of the podcast is "This Sustainable" yes. from Jacoby Brissett. And yeah, I think it was like our most listened to podcast for like a month. Uh, okay, uh, the defense, the pass rush overall, not just Miles Garrett, the pass rush overall with a heavy reliance on Isaiah Thomas, who played well. Alex Wright is playing a lot. Uh, Jadavian Clowney. I don't know what's going on with Clowney. To be honest, he like didn't start the game. It didn't play the first series and. He was okay. So, the pass rush that we saw last night,
0: sustainable or not? Ashley, what do you think? I'm debating this. I'm going to go with yes. I mean, I think a lot of the problems in recent weeks have been when we talked to Miles Garrett this week, like he brought up that maybe he should have sat out more time after that car accident. And I think that's right, that he, you know, is maybe starting to feel a little better, but we knew this was going to probably be something that was starting to net was going to be nagging him for a while, for a few weeks. It might, it might impact him the rest of the season. We don't know now, obviously with the caveat that the Bengals offensive line is just not good. um, They were able to take advantage of that, but I do think like there is something to be said about getting these pieces all working together for a a game and seeing what it feels like for the most part. And knowing that you can maybe rely a little bit more on these rookies than you thought. I mean, I think Isaiah Thomas might have been a sort of like diamond in the rough developmentally that they found in this draft. Because you look at their numbers, you look at his numbers, you look at Alex Wright numbers. um, The one area I think that Isaiah really excels at compared to Alex is getting pressure on the quarterback and I mean you saw that last night the way when he gets that sack he got Jonah Williams hands down and and was gone like he talked about how he's making some of these game-changing plays now week after week after week and I talked to him about that yesterday and he he said he just feels like he's building that you know he he almost said he compared it to his first year of college where he got real playing time at Oklahoma as a redshirt sophomore and he just felt like once he gets out there and does it that that helps him. So I think when you what you see with him, what you see with Alex, what you see with Miles maybe kind of physically improving, that's all really promising to me. And I think now it's about maybe maintaining that technique when you go up against a better offensive line.
2: Okay, so here's how we're going to do this. I'm not going to go around the horn for all of these. So I'll I'll throw these to one person if anybody wants to jump in and disagree. Uh, you can do that. Does anyone want to like disagree that what we saw from the pass rush and it doesn't have to look like miles Garrett getting eight pressures every week, but it does anyone want to disagree that what we saw from the pass rush yesterday, just like won't be sustained to some degree over the, for the rest of the year. Was it Yes. Fooled? I disagree. Okay.
3: Yeah. I think, I would think it's primarily a function of the Bengals being terrible. And um, I think Clowney, since like the last two games, like terrible PFF grades, no impact. I don't know what that, as you guys said, like, what is that? But certainly I don't. Like, it's nice that Isaiah Thomas in limited snaps is doing a little bit, but I think Clowney is more important. And if he's all of a sudden not going to contribute, I think that's a major problem. And the, the Bengals are horrible. And Miles Garrett's going to be Miles Garrett, of course he is. But I also think like Miles Garrett, like literally plays his best against the Bengals. I don't know what it is. And also, does he play his best on Halloween? This is like the best version of Miles Garrett. He gets to wear a costume and he gets to go against that offensive line mm-hmm. and attack Joe Burrow. This is the best version of Miles Garrett. He's always great. That was maximum Garrett. And so I, I don't think it's going to look like that every game the rest of the year. I think it will be back to what it was before, which is Miles good at times and the rest of the time it's fine.
1: You know, I think they're going to um, be a little bit more aggressive. I think that Joe Woods felt he had to dial some things back uh, because people weren't really getting it. But I think that even if they have to blitz more and do some different things like that, uh, I do think that they will be able to get the kind of pressure that they got. Well, not every game, because, again, that was a bad offensive line. Uh, But I think good – Solid pressure from the Cleveland Browns with that defensive front is sustainable. And uh, I think it'll come from different places as these young guys kind of grow up a little bit in the scheme. Uh, I mean, they're not going to get, you know, they're not going to look great against Josh Allen. We know that. Um, But I, I do think that, you know, they still get to play Joe Burrow again. So they've got that to look forward to. Uh, and they've got a few other games where I think they can make some hay. So I, I think it'll be sustainable enough.
2: I, I do worry a little bit um, that the Bengals, one of the reasons the Browns are successful against the Bengals is they get more one-on-ones against them. And I don't have any data to back that up. I'm just, the Bengals do spread it out. They play out of that shotgun. Uh, I, I do worry that there's going to be teams that when they get back into some of these teams, they're going to chip and just hit miles with three guys every play and now all of a sudden it's like, okay, Alex, right. Okay. Isaiah Thomas, go create something. I'm a little worried uh, about if the Browns can maintain the pressure, if, if that's the case, especially if Clowney just isn't Clowney, they need to get him back to being Jadavion Clowney. Uh, secondary Irie, is it fixed or did we just not have to watch Jamar chase run wild for a night?
4: Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's, is fully fixed. Um, they did get a little bit of a break, just a bit of a break with Jamar being out. We know in the press is that uh, that's that's a match that Greg Newsom was fully looking forward to. He was he downplayed it, but he was pretty pissed that he wasn't, you know, gonna be play, that Jamar wasn't gonna be playing. I think that they had a very good night. I think that they found that they can clean up some of their mistakes and some of their uh, past mistakes that they had, especially in the beginning of the season. But I don't think they're going to be giving some of the best, you know, complimentary secondary football that that we've seen. There's still going to be some problems in some pockets and areas within that that, uh, area of the team that we're just still going to be scratching our heads about. But they will be better than they have been recently. I mean, this defense for the most part, I mean, we, we talk about dog, dog check comes to the dog pound. They were puppies for the first few games of the season. Now they're starting to become – it's kind of a a bad analogy probably. Probably something that Doug will be thinking, what the hell is he talking about? But kind of like the girls from that puppy to dog sense. So that's kind of where they're at right now. Secondary
2: fixed. Anyone want to make the case that the secondary is – I mean, it's not the disaster it was against the Jets and the Panthers. But did they fix some
1: things? It's coming around. I mean, it's it's coming around. They don't have Denzel Ward. They haven't had Denzel Ward for three games. Uh, If he comes back and he's okay from this concussion, and Martin Emerson uh, will be all the wiser for having started three games, I mean, I think they found something. Martin would not have gotten all of this playing time, obviously, if Denzel hadn't been out. So that's the silver lining there. Uh, You know, I think Martin is coming pretty quickly up the learning curve and making plays. The game is not too big for him. The moment's not too big for him. Um, you know, Greedy's back. So yeah, I mean, John Johnson three, I thought he's starting to look a little bit better. So I think the secondary is on the rise.
3: I do think Martin Emerson is a thing. And and his growth. And when you, the idea that when he's, when Denzel is back, your top three corners are Denzel, Ward, uh, Greg Newsom, and Martin Emerson is Pretty enticing, and Greedy's fine, but I think the idea that like the those would be your three guys that you rely on—that's I think that works mm. against a lot of people, and I I don't think that was only a function of Chase being out. I think I think the rise of he's played like sixty snaps three straight games, as Mary Kay said. I think almost everything about Martin Emerson feels real. I don't think that's that's the beginning of something.
2: I like the physicality. You know, it's one of those things where I actually saw somebody tweet this after he got the pass interference yesterday. You'll live with some calls like that, with the way that he plays and that physicality that he brings and that that fearlessness to just get his hands on guys. I mean, that that'll hurt you sometimes. You get a flag, but it's also going to win you some games. So, and yeah, I'm, I'm with you on Martin Emerson. I I think they're they're the arrow is pointing up on the secondary. I, I don't know if they're fixed, but I think the arrow is pointing up. Mary Kay, the passing game. Is it just kind of like, eh, you know, is Amari Cooper going to be the top five receiver that he's been this year? Or is the defense going to take him away? Is that sort of where this passing game is at right now? That's what it feels like to me. Like it's kind of dependent on it's Amari Cooper and then kind of, eh, I don't really know.
1: Well, it was Amari Cooper, and then it was David Njoku. So what they have to do is they have to get David Njoku back from his high ankle sprain, because I think they were starting to be on to something with him. Uh, And I think Jacoby has has gotten somewhat better on the long ball, so they can stretch defenses a little bit. And I think that we see that uh, the arrow is pointing up on David Bell, so I think he should be able to contribute more in the second half. I see the passing game getting better as they move forward in the second part of the season, not just from Jacoby, but from when Deshaun gets back. Although I do think there is going to be a knocking off the rust period. Uh, But yes, I, I think that, um, I mean, Donovan Peoples Jones is been has been consistently good and they still need, um, you know, they still need more. They need David Bell uh, to come through more. They need, you know, maybe Michael Woods to come through a little bit more. Um, But I, You know, I I think there's starting to be a pretty good connection for the most part between Jacoby and Amari, Jacoby, Njoku, Jacoby, DPJ.
2: Ashley, I don't know if we can give this a sustainable or not grade because it's going to change so dramatically in about a month because the quarterback's going to change. I think last night was a case of you got a great Jacoby Brissett game. And some weeks you're going to get a good Jacoby Brissett game, and some games you're going to get eh, an okay Jacoby Brissett game, and every now and again you're going to get a bad one. But then this thing's just going to – you're going to have a completely new guy there, like a franchise $230 million quarterback. Now whether he's rusty, whether he looks like that guy or not, we don't know. I think this one's really hard to say one way or the other if what we saw last night is sustainable or not.
0: Yeah, and like you said, it's like the reality is – we're looking at what, three more games with the offense looking like this, right? Three or four more games. Yeah. So three more with Jacoby. I mean, I, again, think in those three games, what needs to just happen is he can't turn the ball over. Like that's the most important thing. He obviously that, that forced fumble yesterday was just bad. Like he, he panicked and, you know, got rid of the ball when he shouldn't have. And, and that's what led to it. But I do think it's that part of it, in theory, is sustainable because that's what he has done for most of his career. That's how he got that game manager reputation. And we know that's what really hurt the Browns through these first eight games was when he wasn't doing that and making those kind of needless mistakes, especially at the end of games when they're trying to come back and he's just panicking and throwing the ball away. Um, and to me, that's the most important thing you have to sustain. Like, I don't know how sustainable that's going to be because like we said you know especially against like the Bills for example um I think they are going to probably figure out a way to make him panic a little bit and when he panics it's not good and I think that's all going to look totally different once Deshaun Watson is here because of the athletic ability because of the processing um but I do think like obviously Jacoby Brissett is capable of doing these things because it was part of his reputation before he got here
3: none of it not sustainable (laughs) not sustainable they, they picked on a rookie. Cam Taylor Britt started for the first time. He got destroyed. He looked like a rookie every bit of a rookie they were playing him. He's probably going to take, I guess, Eli Apple's job, but he would played like 30 snaps in his whole life before last night, and he got roasted. And then a woozy only played 27 snaps and then got hurt, and he's out for the year now. So they were playing like their third and fourth corner so like you what they're going to play much better corners and so like that i think that decent ch- yes amari cooper is is a is a, a route magician and he worked himself open a couple times but that was they capitalized on a team that was not prepared to defend the pass and so i think i agree with the idea of like cooper a healthy and joku b i don't know anything else right i mean Jacoby was 17 of 22 everybody caught everything but there was a reason for that so I have not certainly not changed my and it was all comfortable because by the fourth series or whatever it was Kevin Stefanski was like what's that guy's name oh, you know the guy the the strong guy that uh, <laughs> Chubb he was like yes that guy and they ran the ball they got a lead and then everything was comfortable nothing for Jacoby was like tense it was like hey we got a lead it's all good and that that changes. Everything about their pass game, so it was a it was a perfect circumstance for the pass game to look good. A lead, and corners who were not ready for the moment for the Bengals, and that was that was why last night looked that good. I don't think that's what it's going to look like the last the next three games. And then you know Deshaun comes in and everything changes.
1: Remember real quick that uh, they've got a couple of um, even within the division some challenged pass defenses still to go up against in Baltimore. Uh, right now 26th ranked pass defense and they found something there uh, with Marcus Peters and then um, the Steelers uh, at least going into the weekend's games had the 29th ranked pass defense and I haven't even really looked at some of the other teams yet Um, but um, you know they do have a few more of those games coming up where they should have some pretty favorable matchups in the back end.
2: I I think you almost have to break it down into parts, I think. So, like Amari Cooper is going to be Amari Cooper, right? Jacoby Brissett, he's going to be up and down, and and I guess, I, I mean, we've said it all year. I wish they had another guy. Like Donovan Peoples Jones has been good, but I just wish they had another guy to go with that group. And that's why I think when when you do go against the right matchup, you are just this passing game is going to go back to struggling more. Um, I, I think one of the wins from last night was. Kind of shockingly, when they got off the script, the offense didn't bog down. And that was the concern I had when they had all those empty possessions at the beginning. I'm like, this is usually when they eat. This is usually when they score. And it wasn't happening. And I was worried like, oh, Joe Burrow's going to get hot and Cincinnati's going to run away and hide. And instead, the Browns did the opposite of what they normally do. They got the offense going later in the game. and they, they, I don't think they scored till like five minutes left in the second quarter. Um, so so it was just a weird game in that sense too. So we'll see. Also, by the way, should we just all take Buffalo week off? Should we should we just all take PT? I mean, we're like three weeks from that game, and we're all like, eh, they're they're not going to do anything in that game. There's nothing to see here. I'll take them. Basically, I'll take I them. mean, like, let's be wait, real. wait, 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 wait.
3: Did you just say you would pick the Browns, Irie? Is no. he taking the Browns or is he taking the day off? He said I'll take. What did you? What are you taking? I'm not. I'm not
2: going to allow anyone to come on this podcast unless Josh Allen gets hurt between now and then. Come I'm on, not, come It's not going to be. A, no,
3: this is a professional football podcast. You come, come on, care. this could be like a 21 point line. That's just that's welcome just to covering take, Ohio State. By the way, It's going to be like Ohio State versus Rutgers, except the Browns. And Rutgers, <laughs>
0: Rutgers. So, yeah.
2: that's, that's just taking a shot in the dark and just yeah,
3: hoping
0: you get that that random. It would have to be the most game. random thing slash like. Buffalo falls into a trap game for some reason, and probably has like ten starters injured on both sides of the ball or something. Like it literally. I mean, it's it's a trap game for them. Essentially, the chances are not good. There's no logical reason the Browns would have a chance in that game. I'm, I'm not. I'm not kidding. If anybody
2: comes on yeah. this podcast and picks the Browns, I'm gonna mute. You're going to be muted. Right? Like <laughs> mute
3: button. You're just. You're you're gone. You're suspended. That, that's it okay but uh, and by the way he's it's not going to be a trap game because uh josh allen's going to get asked a thousand times during the <laughs> week about the browns passing on him and he's zero and one against the browns so josh allen ain't letting the browns surprise anybody bills by 50 <laughs> oh
2: man all right let's take one more break and then i want to talk about the afc north and kind of where things stand All right, back on the orange and brown talk podcast. Uh, we're still working on we're still working on sustainable or not sustainable. Got to get some reps in and, and get that get that game tested out a little bit, and we'll uh, we'll we'll fine tune it. We'll we'll get that on store shelves by Christmas, I hope. But uh, still <laughs> still in the planning phases. AFC North as it stands right now, the Baltimore Ravens lead the way the Bengals are four and four right behind them. And uh, the Browns at three and five are in third place. So this is where it gets interesting. I think over the next month, we're going to have some real answers in this division. So we've talked a little bit about what the Browns have coming up. They have to go to Miami. That's certainly a difficult game. I won't mute anyone who picks the Browns in that game. I, I think that's winnable. They also have Buffalo. We've talked about that. They have Tampa. Baltimore has this really weird schedule. So they had the Thursday night game. So they get 10 days before they play at New Orleans. Then they have the bye. Then they have Carolina at Jacksonville versus Denver. Okay. Bleeding up to on December 4th. Those are all winnable football games. Baltimore, there's a chance they could take control of this. Cincinnati versus Carolina, the bye week at Pittsburgh and at Tennessee. Now, Tennessee's in first place. Their point differential is minus six. They're a first place team with a point differential of minus six. So I don't know if they're good or not. Where do we think the AFC North is going to stand in a month? Because to me, it's either Baltimore will have taken control of this by then, or it will be a muddled mess and that's great for the Browns. So Mary Kay, where is the North a month from now with Deshaun Watson about to come back?
1: You know, I, I think the Ravens do have an opportunity uh, to jump out ahead a little bit and take a little bit of a lead here. I do think that the Bengals, are pro- they could stumble and falter a little bit with what's going on with that offensive line and what's going on with Jamar Chase being out and not what's going on uh, with their cornerbacks being out. Um, and their running game. So, you know, they, and, and their schedule's tough. So I do think that this, this is an opportunity for the Ravens to seize the moment and take control of the division. Um, and I, I kind of envision that happening. I think that Lamar is good enough to, you know, to help make that happen. So, yeah, I although Rashad Bateman's he's kind of struggling with his foot injury. And that's not going to help matters for them at all. Um, So, yeah, I I don't see a situation where all of a sudden, you know, the Browns are tied with everybody at the top. I I think the Browns, like I said before, can hang around a little bit with a couple more victories. But I think that um, the Ravens are going to separate themselves a little bit over the next month.
3: Doug, should we even be talking about the AFC North or is it too soon? No, we can talk about it because the Ravens are going to win it. I mean, what too soon for what? To declare the Browns officially out of the race to, in the AFC talk North? talk about no, it in the context
2: over. of the Browns.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the Ravens by the time they come back to Cleveland on December eighteenth, they're five and three. I think they'll either be ten and three or nine and four. I agree completely with Mary Kay because you look at again, it's like, hey, when they played the first time, I was like, hey, the Ravens blew some games too. They blew games to the Bills and the Dolphins. Who now the Browns have to go play. The Ravens haven't played the Steelers at all yet. They, as you said, they have to play the Panthers. They have all these easy games ahead. So like the Browns had their easy schedule and didn't win during it. The Ravens had their tough schedule. Now the Ravens are getting to their easy schedule. And as they get to their easy schedule, they have a two game lead on the Browns. So like, I think it's over and yes, they do have injury issues. JK Dobbins is still out. Rashad Bateman, it seems like is going to be out, but they're trading to get themselves better to improve their defense. I do think Roquan Smith will make a difference for them. Yes. Their secondary needs to play better. Lamar has been a bit of a weird spot here, but I think Lamar's going to start steamrolling people. And um, yeah, I, I, I think the Ravens are about to show everybody like what they're all about against a really easy schedule. And the Browns, as we said at the moment, let's not forget what we all said at the moment, they missed their opportunity by by going two and five until Monday night against that schedule. Like that was their chance and they didn't take advantage of it. And like they're not going to make it up here. So, yeah, AFC North chances for the Browns are, are gone. Not because of the Bengals, because the Bengals might be in trouble, because the injuries are stacking up, because of what the Ravens are going to do.
2: And, and Ashley, the other thing, too, when you talk about kind of the way it's set up for Baltimore, they were banged up when the Browns played them. You know, Lamar Jackson had that weird hip injury, and every now and again, you'd see him kind of grab at his hip a little bit after a play. Uh, Mark Andrews was banged up, didn't have a very good game. Th- there were some weird things there, but now they get this 10 days before they play Sunday. Then they get the bye week, and, and then they get to – They get a chance to kind of get healthy and and get right. And I felt like against Tampa, Lamar started to kind of look like Lamar again in that second half. And this is a guy that certainly would love to get that $230 million or $231 million, I guess, guaranteed to beat out Deshaun Watson's number. There is a world where Baltimore comes back and they just go gangbusters and, and lock this thing up before Deshaun even takes the field again.
0: Yeah, I mean, never underestimate the the power of a Lamar Jackson contract year performance, right? But I mean, I do think kind of to what's already been said, like their schedule is ridiculously easy until they have to play the Browns again. All they have to do is take advantage of it. I mean, I do think like you know they they are making some moves to try to get that defense better, but this is like looking at the stats now and passing yards per game. They've been the twenty eighth ranked team in the league in passing yards per game allowed as a defense. So that is, that has been a legitimate problem. I think the Browns were on to something with Marcus Peters. I think that defense for as much as we talked about last year, all the injuries they had and, you know, we kind of expected them much like the Browns to kind of pick up, uh, where they, you know, not where they had left off, but to just automatically picked up be, pick up because of the personnel they were going to have back, and it just didn't happen for them. I do still think they have legitimate things they need to fix, and now the potential injuries on offense, which you know might be helped by their little buy here, but um, yeah, I mean, I do think it it does just kind of feel like it's their division to lose at this point. But I do agree with you, Dan, in that the only the only real options for me right now do feel like either the. Ravens kind of put it away or it's a muddled mess that somehow winds up like favoring the Browns because of obviously like, the Bengals record in the division being 0-3 and in and the Steelers overall how they're doing like at that point it would kind of just feel like it would be between Cleveland and Baltimore but I think Baltimore is just really in the driver's seat given what lies ahead for them.
2: Except I read there is always a but right there's always a like on November 1st, it's really easy to sit here and say Baltimore should like go to Jacksonville and win that game, but then this is also the NFL, and sometimes Baltimore goes to Jacksonville in a game they should win, and for whatever reason, they don't. Like Weird things happen in this league, so that's a tough thing for the Browns to have to rely on, but it could happen.
4: I mean, the Browns don't have many options for right now to rely on the side from... You know, the thought of and, you know, the meditation and praying that they lose to some of these teams. I mean, you look at the schedule, you know, they have New Orleans coming up. And then we have that. They have Carolina. And we've seen what type of, you know, bad show has been over there uh, for the Carolina Panthers. And this is just I mean, at this point, I mean, we, we spoke about it preseason. When it came to this division, just by the quarterbacks alone, for the Steelers, we didn't expect them to do much. It's kind of been like that since. Even though the Browns had, they got hot, became a Super Bowl runner-up, we saw them kind of staggering below their production like they did last year. But they'd they're be being between the Browns and Ravens, now some could argue the Browns have more talent on paper. But yet the Ravens have been together as a team and played terrific team ball, and you have Lamar Jackson, who's one of the best QVs in the league. So it, it is a sense of hoping that just one of these games, or maybe a couple of these games, they are not themselves. Maybe they blow a big lead like they have like they did prior in the beginning of the year. Maybe they do what they did versus Miami. We don't know. It's November first. What do we know at the moment? Aside from the fact that the Ravens are likely to win this division while the Browns are just hoping that they can win out and that you know the Ravens can do bad in a couple games. At this point we don't, we can only sit back and watch.
2: Yeah, I mean Mary Kay, the Browns sort of just have to rely on the fact that there's really only kind of two dominant teams right now in the AFC. And other than that, you know, maybe Baltimore gets it together and joins that crew. Or maybe they keep blowing double-digit leads for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, so much can still happen. I mean, the uh, the second half of the season is when everything is, is going to happen. That's where it will all be determined, all be decided. You want to be playing your best football in November and December. Let's see if the Browns can do it. Who knows? I mean, maybe they can at least again, not necessarily nab a wild card spot, but stay alive for one as long as possible, because some of these other teams are going to be canceling each other out. I mean, if you look around uh, the AFC, enough teams are good enough that in some divisions they're not, you know, no one's completely 100 percent running away with it. That keeps more teams alive and involved. So that's what's going on. And, um, yeah, I mean, I I think that, um, you know, barring an injury, barring an unforeseen injury, I do think that, that the Ravens will make some hay here very soon.
2: And all of this discussion, again, is couched in the idea that Deshaun Watson is, of course, coming back in week 13, and we have no idea how Deshaun Watson's going to look. He could come back and look like Deshaun Watson, or he could come back and it might take two or three weeks, or it it might take the the entire rest of the season for him to look like that guy from 2020. And maybe it's next year when he starts looking like that guy. We just have, there's a lot of unknowns. And and I think that's where it, it gets tricky with this football team. Like they're so reliant on like Baltimore has to mess up. And like Deshaun Watson has to look has to not look like a guy who hasn't played for two years. He's got to look like a guy that played a week ago.
3: Didn't we set six and five as kind of like the, the, the baseline for where the Browns should be when Deshaun Watson comes back? Pre-season? Yeah, that, Wasn't that, that our number? Five,
2: that five or six range and Mary Kay's been thrown out there. If he has four wins, like maybe there's a, a chance. So but yeah, somewhere in that range.
3: Mm-hmm. OK, I think they will be three and eight, but that's just me.
2: That Miami game is so important. <laughs> not must win. I won't say must win, Mary Kay. I promise. <laughs> I'm not going to say must win.
1: And now they have Bradley I'm, Chubb, so that's not going to get any easier. That that's you know, that could be a, a tough matchup in in some respects for them, depending on who's back for that game and who's not. So yeah, that one's going to be tough. Um, I mean, again, even if they can win one more game before Deshaun comes back at least you can say there is some kind of a chance.
2: And it's something that we wouldn't have been talking about had they lost on Monday Night Football. So it at least made for a more interesting discussion here on our post-game, post-game podcast. Okay, we're going to wrap things up there. So this week, here's what we've got coming for you the rest of the week. Andrew Barry is going to talk to us on Wednesday morning. We will record a reaction off of that we will also have Lance Rislin. I'm going to record uh, his weekly segment with him. So we'll have that pod coming your way on Thursday. And then that's going to be it for the week. We're going to we won't have a pod Friday. We'll come back with a Hey Mary K to start next week uh, either late little later in the day, Monday or Tuesday morning as the Browns hit their bye week. And then we'll start getting back into our regular schedule and getting you guys ready for the Miami Dolphins and the second half of the season. So make sure you're subscribed to the Orange Brown Talk podcast. And if you're looking for something to listen to, go back and listen to those all Ohio podcasts. Those were a lot of fun. Uh, Our Bengals crew was great. Of course, we were great. And uh, you'll you'll want to see the teams that we picked for the uh, IREs. Irie just gave this look like what? Mm-hmm. Um, we were everybody was awesome. The Bengals crew and us. Um, we
4: were we were a spiritual experience. I agree, Dan. <laughs> yeah.
2: See, so those were fun podcasts. You'll want to listen to those um, if, if you've got some time over the weekend and you missed those last week. So, Orange and Brown talk on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and become a football insider subscriber. Cleveland.com/slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. For Doug, Mary Kay, Ashley, and Ire. I am Dan.